0: This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Today, I am excited. We are in a a series that we've called Unchained from Mark chapter 5. And Mark chapter 5 is a story of a man who has been uh, just tormented for we're not sure how long, but seems like a pretty significant portion of his life. And it's a story of Jesus going to an unlikely place to bring freedom to an unlikely man, and then just all kinds of wild responses that occur after that. And so we've been working our way through this for six or seven weeks now. We've got another week or two left as we kind of wind down this story. But each week, we're just stopping, pausing along the way to really dive in depth into to certain portions of it and ask, what is Jesus saying to us then and what is Jesus saying to us now about what it looks like to live in freedom? And today, we're going to be in the portion of the scripture where the man asks to go with Jesus after he's been set free. And Jesus instead tells him, go home. Uh, and, and so I know that go home hits us in different ways. How many of you would say I am a home body? Like go home is the best news anyone can give me. Uh, like home to Netflix, home to my couch, home to ignoring the neighbors. Like home is home's your dream. Now how many of you are thinking uh, home is where I go to sleep and that's the only time I ever want to be there? Otherwise you want to be out, you want to be doing stuff. Okay. Uh, so, so second kind of informal survey. How many of you, the Tulsa area is your born and raised home? There we go, lifelong. Okay, how many of you like me? So I born in Missouri, raised in Kansas, school in Missouri, but now Tulsa has been home for seventeen years. How many of you, Tulsa, is your adopted home? You would say this is home. When someone says where's home, you say Tulsa. How many of you are still uncertain what role Tulsa will play in your long term future? Okay, very good, very good. We will pray for some of you that. Uh, the Lord will speak, because this, I don't know if you know it or not, is the greatest place in the world, um, and, and we, we just love, love being here. So, um, hey, we're going to jump in today. I'm going to read through this passage, so we're all on the same page. If you have a Bible, Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. If you don't, it'll be here on the screens for you. Mark writes, speaking of Jesus and the disciples, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. This morning, our focus will be on verse 18 and 19. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. I want you to put yourself in the the position of this man. He, He hears this command from Jesus to go home. Right? And, and his first response, even before Jesus tells him to go home, is, Jesus, let me go with you. He has new life, and now he wants to experience new everything. So again, put, your, put yourself in his shoes. You live in a place where you've been rejected by your friends and your family. You live in a place where you've been driven out of town, where the last time you were in town, they tried to chain you up and lock you away. You've been tormented, you've been alone, you've lived among the tombs, you shriek half-naked through the night, you're cutting yourself with stones, you haven't had a bed to sleep in or a warm meal in who knows how long, and suddenly one day, a man shows up on the lake shore. he steps out of the boat, and in a moment, your life is radically changed. You're of sound mind, you begin to have interactions with people, you're at peace, you're at rest, everything is better than it's ever been at any point of your life, and it's all because of this man, Jesus, who showed up. And then the people from your town, they come out and they find you sitting with Jesus. But instead of celebrating your freedom with you, they're afraid of who Jesus is and they ask him to leave. And as you're watching, it becomes clear that Jesus is going to honor their request. He's going to get in the boat and he's going to leave. And you respond the only way you know how. If you beg Jesus, please, please, please let me go with you. Don't leave me in this place where I've been tormented. Don't leave me with these people who want nothing to do with you. Will you please let me go with you? I'll get in the boat. I'll go wherever it leads. I'll take, take this show on the road, Jesus. Just whatever you have, wherever you want to lead, let's go. Let's do. Let's try something completely new. And when you put, him, put yourself in his shoes, you begin to understand maybe the desperation with which he is begging Jesus, don't leave me. Let me go. And if we look at our own lives, we can probably see there are times and spaces where Jesus has brought new life to us, and we have had a similar desire of, Lord, now that I've experienced your salvation, now that I've experienced your freedom, now that you've broken these chains of addiction, can I please get out of here and go anywhere with you? Anywhere but here. Because when you get new life, sometimes new everything seems like the natural result. As you read through the New Testament, you see that everywhere the gospel is proclaimed, the people who receive it have similar questions. We have new life in Christ. Now do we need new everything? So they begin to ask questions, and the early church has to address them of, now that we follow Jesus, do we need a new diet? Now that we follow Jesus, do we need to celebrate new holidays and new festivals? Now that we follow Jesus, do we need to completely break away from all of our old family and friends? There were men who were saying, now that we follow Jesus, do we need to be circumcised? There were women and men who were saying, now that we follow Jesus, do we need to leave our unbelieving spouses behind and start over with someone else in someplace else? And again and again and again, the resolution the early church comes to is when you say yes to Jesus, you do leave behind your old life of sin and all the destructive habits and patterns that accompany it. But you do not abdicate your responsibilities to your family, your friends, and the other things that God has entrusted to you. And so when we begin to hear this command, go home, it might still hit us a little bit in a negative way. It feels kind of like a rejection from Jesus. And and yet from that man's perspective, I I sympathize with him so much because here's what I know. I know when I go new places... I'm always introduced as the best version of myself. And I like it, right? If, if I go to a, a pastor's conference with a group of friends and, and they're introducing me to some of their other friends, they always, be, he, they're like, hey, here's Chris. He's got a great wife. He's got three great kids. He pastors a great church in Tulsa. He, you know, and they, they say nice things and I say nice things about them. I'm never introduced as like, hey, here's Chris. He loses his temper sometimes. <laughs> hey, here's Chris. He's burned some bridges in the past. Hey, here's Chris. Let me tell you about his insecurities. You got 30 minutes, right? They they don't do that. Why? They they lead with your success. You've had the same experience. You, you, You go home with a friend from school. You go on a work trip. You're in some new space. And in the new space, you get to be the best version of yourself. And it's really enjoyable. And that's what this man is longing for. Jesus, let me go on the road with you. I get to hang out with Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. Jesus, let me go on the road with you all. Prepare the way before you with Peter and with James. Jesus, let me go. I will be your trophy of grace in every town we go in. I'll be your hype man. I'll be the one who goes before you. I'll go find the worst of the worst and bring them to you. I'll do it. Just please, please, please. He's begging him. Will you please let me go? And yet Jesus tells him, no. What's really interesting is in this story, Jesus grants every request except this one. So the the demons, they beg Jesus for some stuff. And he says, okay. The townspeople, they beg Jesus to leave. And he does it. But the one man who actually loves Jesus and wants to follow him gets rejected. Let me go with you. No, no, no. Go home. Now, home was not supposed to be a, a place of punishment for this man it was actually supposed to be a reward go home meant go be restored to your family go home meant go begin to receive everything the enemy has taken from you go home might have meant go go eat dinner with your mom and with your dad go home could have meant go be restored to your wife and your children go home could have meant go sleep in the bed that you haven't seen for years Go home meant everything that you have longed for, for these past years that you've been tormented in the tombs, go home and experience that fullness of life. And, And yet for some of us, when we hear that response of Jesus of go home, it still sounds like rejection. It still sounds like punishment. Because honestly, sometimes we have a lot of problems with home, right? Go home. But Jesus, home is where the weirdos are. And I'm related to all of them, right? Home is, home is where my cousins cause a lot of drama. Home is where my uncle has the reputation. Home is where I'm forever viewed as somebody else's boy or somebody else's kid. Right? Have you had that experience? Like I know if I, there are parts of western Oklahoma where my dad was, was raised. If I go there, I don't have a name. I am only Steve's boy. No matter how old I am, no matter how tall I am, no matter how many kids I have, forever and always, that's Steve's boy. Which one? I don't know. One of them. Right? It's just, and so we have this thought of, like, look, home. Home doesn't sound exciting. Home doesn't sound full of potential. Home sounds like a punishment. Because home is where they know me. Home is where I'm, I'm never really taken seriously. Home is where, when I tell my dreams, people roll their eyes and say, yeah, that's cute. Home is a place where everything kind of comes against me. Right? And, and then there's some real problems that some of us have. For some of us, home is a place of pain. Jesus tells you to go home and you're thinking, I don't, I don't want to go there. I spent my whole life swearing I was going to get out and never come back. I mean, think of this man in Mark chapter 5, home. Home is a place where his friends and family chained him up and locked him away. Home is a place where when he broke the chains because of the evil inside of him, they drove him out of the city. Home is a place where people laughed at him, where they whispered, where they ran him off if he came too close to the town. Home is a place where he was the warning story told to everyone. Home was a place of intense pain for him. And and for some of us, because of the effects of sin and the homes we grew up in, it's the same experience. Your home is a place where you were never good enough. Your home is a place where every C should have been a B, and every B should have been an A, and every A should have been an A+. Home was a place where if you scored 20 points, they only wanted to talk about the shot that you missed. Where if you got the lead role, they only wanted to talk about the line that you messed up. Maybe home was a place of of just terrible abuse. Maybe it was a place where, where you had all kinds of things attached to you and put on you. Home isn't just the homes we're raised in, though. Sometimes it's the cities, it's the schools, it's the culture. And sometimes those are toxic and those are painful. And they cause intense and lasting harm in our life. And when we hear Jesus say, go home, we think, why would you ever ask me to do that? I thought you were saving me from those people. I thought you were saving me from that place. I thought you were pulling me out, never to send me back again. See, for, for some of us, when we hear go home, we hear go back to some of your most miserable moments. Go back to some of your most vulnerable spaces. Go back to the places where you felt the most weak, the most helpless, and, and it, it's, it's just confounding. Why would Jesus ever ask me to go back to a place like that? For others of us, home can be a place of shame. A place where you go back and, and everybody does know your name. And they know your stories. And they like to tell your stories to you. They like to talk about how foolish you used to be. They like to remind you of your past mistakes. They like to rub your face in what you've always done. I mean, can, can you imagine this man in Mark chapter 5? Go home, and as soon as he goes home, he's walking through town. How many, it's nice to see you finally dressed, comments did he get? How many times did they have to be like, hey kids, remember when we used to run away from him in the cemetery? How many whispers were there behind his back as he walked through? How many times did he walk up to someone? And they're like, hey, are you normal? Or are you going to get crazy again? I mean, his past was attached to him. And even though Jesus had done this miraculous work of deliverance, he was still the man who lived among the tombs in the village in which he was raised. And for some of us too, that, that call of go home is go home to the place where you made foolish mistakes as a teenager. Go home to the place where you ruined relationships. Go home to the place where everyone remembers what your mugshot looks like. Go home to the place where you caused pain in the lives of people you loved. Go home to the place where you were supposed to be the next great thing coming out of your school or your town. And then through your own foolish choices, it was all taken away. Go home to the place where your family name is not one that anyone associates with success go home where not only is your past, but the past of everyone you're related to is held against you. And sometimes go home, we we can start to understand the problems that some of us have. It's far easier to go to the ends of the earth sometimes than to go home where we're known and where our stories are remembered. And then for some of us, home was a, a great place. You loved it. You had loving parents. You had a good experience at school. You, you look back fondly on your hometown. You made some mistakes like everyone does, but they're not held against you any more than anyone else's are. And, and yet still, when you hear the call go home, there is something inside of you that says, I think I'm bigger than that. I think God's got better plans for me than that. And, and home, just honestly, it, it seems a little boring. It seems a little small. It seems a little insignificant. This man, he is willing to follow Jesus. He doesn't know where Jesus is going to go. He doesn't know what Jesus is going to do. His response seems to be the model of discipleship that we present to each other all the time. He was willing to leave everything behind with just the clothes on his back and follow Jesus wherever he went. But instead, Jesus told him, no, 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 just go home. Just go home and tell the people what the Lord has done for you. Now, now culturally, again, so, so I think we, we kind of have this, this divide that we have to address. Because for some of us, home is our favorite place. It's a place where we, I mean, some of you, every year, if you're praying, Lord, what's your plan for my life? You're only praying it half-heartedly because you really just want to stay where you are and do what you're doing. Right? And, and I get that. I completely understand that. And, and yet for others of you, you're constantly praying, Lord, take me somewhere bigger. Take me somewhere better. Challenge me. Let me take a step of faith. I mean, the faith that like ends in my success, not the faith that actually helps me to learn more about you. But, you know, faith that like makes me famous and faith that makes people look up to me and, and faith that kind of makes, has a bigger house or a better salary. Or that's the kind of faith we want. We want bigger, we want better, we want nicer, we want more impressive. And then Jesus says yeah, how about you just go home? And it feels so small and it feels so insignificant. And there's times that we want to look at Jesus and say, do you know who I am? Do you know what I'm capable of? Do you know the potential my mother has told me I have my whole life? Do you know my youth pastor said I was a world changer? How can I be a world changer at home? Everyone knows me. I know the whole world there. How can this happen? And, and we've got a, a couple of things that, that, are, that are at work in our lives that make it harder for us to hear this call to go home as anything but punishment. The first is in our church culture, we have kind of promoted this idea that the only stories worth telling are the extravagant and the extraordinary. And so we'll tell the story of my friend who spent 20 years living in the the foothills of the Himalayas of India, trekking into unreached mountain villages to tell people about Jesus. But we don't tell the story of the 20-year teacher in Tulsa who just shows up to work every single day in her elementary school, pouring her life into that classroom. We'll tell the story of the church planner who's willing to take a leap of faith and plan a church in a hard space. But we don't tell the story of the person who's working in parts of Tulsa that are underprivileged to establish businesses to bring real and lasting change to the community in which they live. We live in a culture, and so it's kind of become this weird combination of it's kind of this influence of everybody's got to be a world changer all the time. And to do that, you've got to be doing big and extravagant things. And then it's combined with this influence of social media in our life that says we're just constantly going to present our best moments, our highlight reels, our most significant achievements. And then for the rest of us who have just been called to go home, we're just sitting around thinking, I guess I don't matter, and I guess this isn't worth anything. Right, the, the average young adult, currently in study shows, spends three to three and a half hours every day scrolling through social media. And just scrolling, and what are you seeing? You're just seeing, hey, here's what success looks like. Hey, here's the stories that are worth telling. Here's the things that people want to be engaged with. And those are rarely the stories of spreadsheets or dirty diapers or dinner with neighbors. Right, they're the look at me and look where I went and look what I did. And, and I, I'm not saying there's like, post your vacation pictures. Post your missions trip pictures. We all enjoy seeing that, but we've got to guard our hearts to where we don't believe that this is how everyone else lives all the time, and I'm the one being punished and being told to go home. There's there's a temptation. We all face it. We all fight it. In in, uh, May of 2012, so Angie and I, we came to Christian Chapel in May of 2005, we were hired as youth pastors here. We served in that capacity for about six and a half years, and then I transitioned into a, a co-pastor role with my, my predecessor, Greg Davis. And in that, that about year and a half or so that I served as a co-pastor, Angie and I had absolutely no idea what our future looked like. We were praying on a, a weekly and monthly basis of, Lord, where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? We have always felt a call to missions, and so we're saying, Lord, if, that's, if this is the time we'll go, we'll do it. We will go to hard places. We will do hard things. We will move wherever you want us to move. If that's not it, we feel, felt this stirring to, to lead a church, and so we're saying, Lord, if you want to call us out of Tulsa and put us in hard places where the gospel needs to be proclaimed and in our own nation, Lord, send us there. We're willing to go. And we were wrestling through this and wrestling through this. And in May of 2012, I went to a conference in Dallas, Texas for pastors. And I was sitting in this large room with about probably 1,500 or 2,000 other pastors. And, and if you've ever been to those, you know, kind of how the structure goes. There's meetings the first day, the first night, and then the second day. It was in the very last meeting of the second day. The guy got up and, and he began to preach from Mark chapter 5. And he was preaching this passage, these exact verses we're looking at this morning, and he must have yelled, go home a hundred times in the course of his 45-minute sermon. And he began to challenge this room of pastors and begin to say things that I found slightly offensive. I'll never forget him looking out at the room, and I was sitting maybe eight or nine rows back, and and you've had that experience where you feel like he's looking exactly to you and talking only to you. Just let me tell you from the other side, that's almost never the case, right? Like, I'm almost never of like, Tyler! You know, it just doesn't happen that way. But that's how it felt. It felt like he was preaching only to me. And I'll never forget the statement he made. He said, most of you in the room, you want to go do big, bold things for God. You'll go anywhere and do anything. And I'm here to tell you today, where you are is probably where you're always going to be. I thought, well, that's depressing. (laughs) Because I didn't know where I was or what I was doing. I didn't know what my future looked like. All I knew was I was in Tulsa and I drove by 11 churches from my house to Christian Chapel every single day. And I I just thought, Lord. Of all the places to spend my life. Why would you have me spend it where so many others are already making great investments? Because I knew if I left, there'd be dozens and dozens of resumes coming to fill my spot. And yet beginning that day all the way to this day, the resounding theme I hear in my heart over and over and over again is go home. Don't worry about how it compares to other people. Don't worry about how it looks from the outside. Just be faithful in the places where I've planted you. And that pastor, he started to talk to us that day. He said, you'll never understand. The value of a pastor who plants himself in a community, who can say decade after decade, I've got the same cell phone number. I've got the same email address. I'm showing up every Sunday at the same church. I'm preaching the same gospel. He said, you become a pillar and an anchor in your community. And in that moment, what he began to help me do and what God continues to help me do is move it from the problem of home to the promise of home. And begin to see when Jesus tells you to go home and you obey, there on the other side of that obedience is some of the most fruitful ministry you will ever know in your life. Right now, there are times where Jesus calls us to get up and go, to pack up and leave, to surrender and follow. But I I don't think I'm out on a ledge this morning to say for the vast majority of us in the room today, Where you are is where you're going to be. And God is calling you to plant yourself in the community and in the place and among the people where he's called you. See, go home is not a punishment. Go home is a privilege. And, And so you're thinking, well, but home for me is a place of pain. Well, when you go home, you're not going home as your old broken self. You're going home as one who's been made new in Jesus Christ. And and here's what you begin to learn. If home was a place of pain, then there's probably a lot of other people there who are experiencing pain. And now you, as the one who's found wholeness and deliverance in Christ, you're the one who gets to walk back into those broken relationships, dysfunctional situations, and begin to declare there's another way. Our family might have done this for generations, but we don't have to keep going. Our friends might have engaged in these things for years on end, but there's another way. There's another path. You can go back into the place of pain as an agent of healing. And now now that just kind of a little caveat there that does not necessarily mean if if home, if a relationship is an abusive, unsafe space, please do not mishear me this morning. I'm not saying go back and, and let them beat on you again. I'm not saying go back into those toxic environments and let them make you like them again. What I'm saying is when you are whole and healthy in Christ and he commands you to go home, even if it's a little scary, even if there's some past pain and discomfort, you can walk back into that. And if you're in a space where you're thinking, I don't know if it's safe, my my encouragement to you is trust the leading of the Holy Spirit and ask for help of the community where God has placed you. And they can help you navigate that. Because there are times where it's a come out and be separate kind of moment. To get free from the addiction, to get free from the toxicity of that situation. But then for many of us, there comes a point where Jesus says, you're whole, you're healthy, you're healed, you're delivered. Now go home. Go back to the side of the pain and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. if, If home was a place of shame, then the promise of home is now it can become a place of restoration. Then when you go home and everybody says, hey, we remember what you used to do. We remember who you used to be. Your response is, yeah, so do I. It was pretty ridiculous, wasn't it? Can you believe that happened? Can you believe I said those things? And, and sometimes it involves the, and, and will you forgive me? And then you can begin to tell the story of how Jesus has changed you, of how he has restored you. You don't need to point to other things as signs and symbols of God's grace. You can point to your own life. You can say, I know I was ridiculous. I know I was a fool. I know I hurt a lot of people. But the Lord has changed me completely. And as you live your faith out at home, it begins to earn a hearing for the gospel. And if you think home is boring, Yeah, I just, again, I I just, I need something a little bit more Instagram worthy. I need something that's going to look better when I post it. I need a better story to tell at my 10-year reunion, at my 20-year reunion. I remember going back to my 20-year high school reunion uh, two two years ago, two years ago? Yeah, last year, 2021, 20, no, 2020, two years ago. (sighs) Anyways, remember going back there, and, and it was interesting, and maybe you've had this experience. When you go back to a, an out of a, a reunion, you live out of town, as you start to talk to people about where do you live, what do you do, those who had stayed in our hometown, there was almost this resignation in their voice at times. Like, oh, yeah, no, I just, I just still live here. No, I just, you know, I just, I just, I, I just work in the family business. It just, and, and, but I know their stories. And I know they're married and I know their kids are thriving. I know they have jobs they love. And and yet somehow we have believed this cultural lie that if you're going to matter, you have to leave. And if you're important, eventually you become too important for home. And and yet I think what Jesus is teaching us here in Mark chapter 5 is yes, there is a call to go and leave. But for others of us, there is a call to go home. And you never have to be ashamed of what God has called you to do. You never have to be ashamed of where God has called you to live. and You never have to be ashamed of your obedience to what he's called you to do. And when you begin to embrace that, then you know what? It really doesn't matter if other people think my life is cool or not. It really doesn't matter if they admire where I live or they think it's kind of boring. Right? I mean, I've got friends that live all over the world, some of them in, in places that I would call extravagant and exciting, and yet I would not trade my place in Tulsa, Oklahoma with a single one of them. Not because I wouldn't enjoy their views, I would. Right? Not because I wouldn't have enjoyed their climates, I would. Not because I wouldn't miss the absence of all the allergens in Tulsa, I wouldn't. But because this is where God has called me. This is where God has planted me. This is home. And when God calls you home, you can begin to see it not as a place of punishment. Not as a place of obscurity. But you can begin to see it as your greatest place of significance. As the place where you have the most opportunities to declare the glory of God and the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Here's here's what I want you to understand this morning. The Holy Spirit has spent your entire life preparing you to be a witness at home. There's nowhere that you're going to have a better witness than the spaces where you are known and where you know others. And he's uniquely equipped you. Now, Now, obviously, the gospel tells us we're called to cross lines of race and culture and language and all of these things to share the gospel. And we're going to do that. But we're also going to recognize God has wired me in a certain way and he's placed me in a certain place. So I should probably become comfortable and good at sharing the gospel with people who are like me. Right? I mean, who can share the gospel with an only child better than an only child? Who shares the gospel with an engineer better than an engineer? Who shares the gospel with an accountant better than an accountant? With a mom better than a mom? With an athlete better than an athlete? With a musician better than a musician? If God has equipped you and placed you with people around you, stop looking for reasons to get away and build the kingdom and just build it right there where you are. Go home. This is God's call to us. Go home. You see in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, he, he travels all over the world planting new churches. He's from here to there. He has, has very much an itinerant ministry. And yet, everywhere he goes, he creates a community. Everywhere he goes, he plants himself and builds relationships. And I know in Tulsa, we've got college students who come through. We have people who, you know, you're, you're here doing your residency. You're here just kind of through a moment. You're here for a job. And, and you know, in all likelihood, this is a one, two, three, four-year assignment. And when we know our assignments are temporary, there's always a temptation to just kind of stay on the outside the whole time we're there. But if God calls you anywhere, it becomes your home. It becomes a place where you are supposed to invest. So if you're, if you're in kind of one of those transitional seasons of life, my challenge to you is invest yourself so deeply that you are missed greatly when you leave. Don't settle for living anonymously on the fringes of churches and relationships. Don't just hop from one apartment to another, from one home to another, from one job to another, from one relationship to another, from one local church to another, but go home. Where we are today is where God has called us to be. And he has plans for us here and he has a purpose for us here. And so it really doesn't matter if you or I think it's significant or not. What matters is what has Jesus said, and will we be obedient to it? He tells that man, go home, and we'll talk next week. This man just displays such beautiful obedience and sees incredible results because of it. But it's a a call not just to go home, but he tells, tells him, go home and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. See, when we're called to go home, we don't just go home to kind of resume our life of comfort, to adopt our old routines and patterns, but we go home with a new mission in everything we do. In every relationship with family, in every interaction with neighbors, in every moment at work or at school, our primary job is now to tell others how much the Lord has done for us. And this is where we're uniquely privileged to do it. Because they all know our story. They know who we were. They know what we've done. They know what our shortcomings might be. And that amplifies the power of the gospel in that space and in their life. Because we're not coming pretending or faking, we are coming as our authentic selves. Saying, you know me, I was broken, I was selfish, I was sinful. You know the, the past I came out of. And yet, let me tell you, I have new life, I have hope, I have joy in that space as you obey their lives will be transformed as well but it requires that we begin to see the promise of home that we begin to embrace this not as a place where God has just put us but as a place he's planted us where he's calling us to invest deeply and when it's time for him to tell us to go somewhere else it will be one of the most painful experiences of our life but we will follow but until then, we're just going to go all in right where we are. We're going to go all in with the people that God has planted around us. We stand with me and bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to pray for us. And then uh, or worship worship's going to come. They're going to lead us in a final song this morning. Jesus, we come today. And we're thankful, Lord, that you have shown up in our homes. That you've come and you have spoken words of life to us. Jesus, you have called us out of broken homes. You've called us out of shameful situations. You have brought salvation and new life. You've brought healing and deliverance. And now, Lord, as we embrace that new life, we also want to listen for your voice. And and this morning, Lord, I pray especially for those who hear you telling them, go home, invest deeply, love fully, be all in where I've planted you. Lord, we pray today that you would help us to reject all the lies of the enemy and to embrace obedience. Lord, if you're sending us home, then that's where we're gonna go. And we're gonna believe that you have a purpose and a plan for us in that space. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.